book of John this morning. Chapter 5. If you have your Bible and want to follow along as we read. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Amen. John chapter 5, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Uh, something you may be familiar with, one of the miracles worked during his earthly ministry. But beginning there, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. You may be seated. As we mentioned to you before, in the four Gospels, they're all written from a, a different kind of perspective and give us uh, different views of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, when John wrote his gospel, and in other writings, we see over 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he, he wanted to tell us exactly who Christ is. And he tells us exactly who Christ is. Matter of fact, this book of John starts what? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we see also over there in 1st John, he said that was from the beginning. Talking about the one that we have heard, the one that we have seen, the one that we have handled, and he called him there the Word of Life. Uh, John's writing, he, he doesn't show us as much as Jesus the miracle worker as some of the others do. Uh, he doesn't show us as much as Jesus the great uh, teacher and orator as some of the others do. But John's purpose and John's writing here is to give no doubt and to show everybody that truly Jesus Christ was God incarnate in the flesh. That is, he said, you know, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And he goes on to say there in the first chapter that what? The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full, he says there, of grace and truth. So we see John giving us an idea, wanting us to, to see exactly who Christ was and, and that He was God in the flesh, that He was God incarnate, the only begotten Son of God, but also John gives us a beautiful picture throughout his gospel that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. There is no other way, folks. There will be no other way. There has been no other way. There may be other ways that are preached, 
There may be other ways that are taught. There may be other ideas that people have. But when you boil it all down and the rubber meets the road, there's none other way. There's no way we can get reconciled back to God except through and by Jesus Christ. It's the only way. Now you think about John and you write this. If you go through his book here and, and all the chapters, I think there's about eight miracles is all that he records of Christ. You'll see a lot more miracles recorded in other books, but we also know the Word says that if everything that Christ had done was recorded, the books of the world couldn't hold it all. So even though we have a, a, a nice picture and a nice uh, understanding of, of Christ through the four Gospels, it's just a drop of everything that He did while He walked the face of this earth. But yet here in John, as we said, we've got uh, an event. Uh, this is probably the third, I think it is, miracle that He performs during His ministry in John's book. The first being uh, the turning the, the water to wine at the wedding. The second being just a few verses here in the previous chapter uh, when He healed the, the the government official's son, this guy from Cana of Galilee, when he came into Cana there. But yet we see here that Jesus says, and it said after this, he was talking about his healing of the young man, his raising of the son. And it said after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is a Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda. And listen to what it says here. Having five porches. Now, when... We think of this, we, we try to vision in our mind, what did that look like there? What did these five porches, were they just five porches that surrounded this, this water, this pool? Was it five different levels of porches we don't know? And, and, and I'm sure there's some of us here that have a different idea of what a porch is than, than other people. Uh, I would probably think that there's people here this morning, young people, younger people, that you have never grown up in a house that had a porch. Now, when I, we were growing up, every house had a porch. You say, wait a minute, preacher, what are you saying? A lot of houses now just have a stoop, have a little concrete slab. You don't have a front porch. When I was growing up, the front porch was a place where a, a lot of your, your talk with your neighbors and everything was done. I mean, you were on your front porch, neighbors on their front porch, and you're just talking back and forth just like we're, we're, we're here today. It was just a common part of the communication. Uh, you hear people talk about front porch, front porch city. You don't see that anymore. People don't sit on the front porches anymore. What do we do? We go out back and get on the deck. Yeah. And there's a comedian that me and Hope like to listen to sometimes. Pretty clean guy. That's why we like him. The old country boy. But he, he made a remark one time. He was talking about porches. Nobody has porches. He said, everybody has a deck. Everybody wants a deck. He said, if Andy had a deck, Opie would ended up on drugs. But <laughs> so then had a front porch to sit out there and talk through life problems or whatever it may be. But just a joke. But when we see this five porches, we, our mind probably goes right back to what, what we know what a porch is, and it may be something completely different. But it tells us here that there were these five porches, and there was a pool there in front of the porches. And, and around this pool, there laid all manner of sick people. There were those that were paralyzed. There were those that, that were sick of uh, whatever manner it may be. Uh, there were those that, that were lame, not able to get up and walk, as we read about the man there in your hearing. And if you can imagine this, I, I would think there was probably full, every porch, however it was laid out, was probably full of these people that were hoping they would have the opportunity, because as the Word says, that an angel would come down in a certain season, 
and trouble the water. Now, how the angel troubled the water, who the angel was, we're not told. But I believe it happened because the Word of God said it did. Whether the angel dipped a wing in or a foot or a finger or whatever or just pointed at it. But anyway, the water would get troubled. And, and, and I, you know, maybe it would just begin to boil. Not really boil, but you just see it begin to move. And the first person that could get down in that water, the Scripture says here, what would happen? They'd get healed. Now you think of how many people laying there when they saw that water troubled would want to get healed and were doing everything they could to get in this water. Well, this day was going to be different than any other day for at least this one man that was sitting there on the porches at the pool of Bethesda. The Bible tells us there very simply that Jesus passed by and folks, His power is going to be on display. It's not going to be about an angel. It's not going to be about the water being troubled, but it's going to be about Jesus Christ, the great physician, Jesus Christ, the Savior, that He's going to be able to heal not only the body, but also bring healing to the soul. Now in these scriptures, as I said, we read to you there, we're going to see and there's all these people there. Now in my mind, the only thing I have that I can relate this to is... Sometimes in some of these war movies, you know, they'll have a, a hospital or a medical tent set up. And, and in some of these movies you see, they go through, and man, there's just soldier after soldier that's got problems. I mean, there's limbs missing. There's all this. I could just imagine a whole slew of people laying there with every problem that they could have, just hoping that they might be able to get into this water. And you know, I began to think about that. How many people today, if you were told, you know, there's a pool down such and such place, and if you go down there and you wait and you see that pool, that water began to be troubled, and you get in that water and you're the first one in there, you're going to get saved. How many people would spend day and night just waiting and waiting to see that water trouble in order to get saved? When all we have to do is come to Jesus. It's that simple, folks. Now you think about it here. Jesus come down to the pool that day. The Bible said that a certain man was there. And he had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Now you think about this. Here this man couldn't do anything for himself. You know, as he told us, whenever the water's troubled and I want to get down in there, somebody gets in before me. So we see in his own power, probably not able to do it, maybe feeling helpless and useless and, and, and the folk just not able to get in. And what he is, he's a picture of the unsaved. You say, what are you saying, preacher? Think about it for a minute. Here was this man, first of all, he could not get into the water under his own power to get healed. You realize today there's nothing the unsaved we couldn't do in our own power to get saved. There was nothing that we did that earned us salvation, that merited us salvation. We couldn't buy salvation. There was nothing we could do. Couldn't live a life good enough to be saved. It was beyond our ability, beyond our reach. We were helpless and hopeless when it came to salvation. And there was only one hope that we had, and that's Jesus Christ. So this man kind of is like a picture of a, of a sinner. He's helpless and hope can't get down to that water on his own. But guess what else? Didn't have anybody to take him down there either. Think about it. How many of us had somebody that could get, get saved for us? None of us. How many of us could, could take us and, and, and get us saved with, without us accepting Christ? It couldn't be done. And I think about David. And you know, there was a time when David was running from uh, Saul and, and his army. And, and he was putting his trust in the Lord. And one of his psalms, as he cries out unto the Lord, he says, No man knew me. No man cared for my soul. David said, I can't find help anywhere in man. I can only find it in you, God. 
And just as the guy said, hey, there was nobody there to help him. Now, how many people, of course, we know they're all got their own problems, but how many is going to forfeit their own opportunity to let somebody else get in before? Not going to happen. So he didn't have help or any hope from any man. He didn't have help or any hope within himself. And the only help and hope that he was ever going to have was going to be found here in Jesus Christ. And just the fact, folks, that he was there tells us he wanted to be healed. He had a desire to be healed, but yet there was nothing that he could do about it. And I, I often wondered about it. If he tried to drag himself down, maybe, and then before he could ever get to the water, somebody else then got in. Aren't you glad it's not that way for salvation today? It's not about the first one that comes to the altar. It's not about the first one that calls out upon his name. But the scripture tells us that whosoever will come into the Lord, whosoever will be saved, as many as call upon the name of the Lord, as many that come to him for salvation, believing folks in the heart and confessing with the mouth as we were studying there through Romans in Sunday school. That's what we, we need to see. And, and that it's not just limited to one person. Well, the first one to the altar, you're going to get saved today. Everybody else, you're out of luck. It's not like that. But yet that's what it was for this man when he sat there by the pool of Bethesda. Nothing he could do with himself. And folks, listen, there's people today that are looking for every other way to get to heaven than come to Jesus. Like I've said before, if there was a set amount that somebody come out and said, and if it were true, if you could pay this much money to the church, then God will forgive your sins. People would mortgage their homes, sell everything they had, and do everything they could to get that amount of money. Because why? They want to be saved. But you tell them all you have to do is come to Jesus. No, I can't do that. I don't have time. That's not the way. I've got other things to do. It's that simple today, folks. We just got to come to Jesus Christ and allow Him to save us. And, you know, when, when, when He draws us to Him and, and He opens up that, that way of salvation and, and knowing that He will save us there. So we looked at the people today. So here's this man. Everything that he tried, he was never able to get in there. It says, will thou be made whole? What did he say? The, the man answered him and said, I have no man. Nobody will take me and carry me down there and put me in that water. And when the water is troubled, but guess when I'm coming, when I'm trying my best to get down there, I, every strength I've got, when I'm crawling, dragging, however you want to look at it, another steppeth down before me. Time and time again. The water would be troubled. He would want to get in. But he didn't have anybody to take him. Couldn't get in by himself. So what? He's out of luck. And folks, aren't you glad today it's not that way with salvation? You're never out of luck. And I believe with my heart, listen, if, you, if there's breath in your lungs and you're lost today, there's an opportunity for you. The scripture tells us, you go over the Old Testament, that what a living dog is better than a dead lion. No matter how great somebody might have been, once they're gone, that, that, that opportunity's gone, that hope is gone, there's not another chance. But if you still have breath in your lungs, you have that opportunity. Yeah. And this is, once again, I want to stress, it's not about the first one who gets in. It's about whosoever will come to Jesus Christ. Now think about this for just a minute. So he couldn't get in for himself. Nobody was there to take him in. And look at the words that Jesus says to him. Very simply, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Now think about this for a minute. The scripture done told us he had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. Must have been pretty bad because he couldn't move under his own power. Would have had to have somebody else to get him down there if they would have even done. So it's something that he has suffered for 38 years and Jesus very simply looks at him and just says what? Rise, take up your bed and walk. How many people today have wallowed in that life of sin? 
have lived. Might have been 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. But let me tell you something. You come to Jesus Christ, He'll save you. He'll make you a new creature. He'll clean you up and make you a fit subject for the, for the kingdom of God. So He says to the man there, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Now a lot of times we, and I say I, I'm not going to say we. I think of how I would have responded. And a lot of people probably would respond this way. Well, you don't understand. You're telling me to get up and walk. I just told you I, I can't get down to the water by myself and don't have nobody to take it. That's not what he said, not what he did. <coughs> well, you don't understand, sir. You know, I, I've been this way 38 years. I have no strength in my legs, no, no ability. I can't get up on my own. You're telling me to rise up and walk? I can't. How many of you have heard the old saying when you grow? I've heard it from a... Can't never did do nothing because it never did try. And so many times we use that little phrase, I can't. For the unsaved, let me tell you something. Don't say you can't. Because with God, you can't. Christians today, we get to the point, we say, well, I can't. With God, we can. He works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. But this man, instead of saying there and coming up with every excuse why he couldn't, what did he say there? What does the Scripture say there? Immediately, the man was made whole, took up his bed, and walked. Amen. What did Jesus say? Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Immediately, he stood up, picked up his bed. This bed that was his life for 38 years, that he's had to lay on and, and, and toss and turn and, and probably have it re, re-upholstered and everything over the years. But then he picks it up and he carried it, put it on his back to carry it. And you think about it and say, what does Jesus say? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Yeah. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. The scripture tells us that we will do what the word of God says for the unsaved. Let me tell you something. He will save you. For the Christian today, the promises that we have and that we can depend and trust upon in the Word of God, He will hold true to His Word. If the Word of God says that you can trust in it and you can believe in it and you can put your faith in it. So think about this for a minute. Out of all the people that were there, and I, and I said, I don't know how many, five porches, the Scripture just says there, there was a lot of them there. All manner of folk. Jesus chose this one man. Why him? Folks, the only answer I can give you today is it's because of his amazing grace. It's up to him. Yeah. And folks, we were chose in Jesus Christ, the scripture says. And Jesus himself said, if I, speaking of his death upon the cross of Calvary, if I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men nigh unto me. There's drawing power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's drawing power in the Word of Jesus Christ. And when the Word is preached, as we talked about this morning there, He was talking about those that hear, and how shall they hear without a preacher, and how shall they preach except they be sent? And the Scripture says there very simply, went over there in Romans, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Yeah. And that's what it takes today, folks, to hear that Word of God. There's drawing power in that Word of God. And we can come to Him, believe and accept Jesus Christ. And he said he'll do it. Believe me, he'll do it. Amen. But why this man and not anybody else? You know, we don't read of anybody else at that pool of Bethesda being healed that day. And this is just my thoughts. 
This is not what the scripture says. We're not giving any insight. There's no historical account of this. But what I see happening, Jesus is there interacting with this man. He tells him, rise, take your bed and walk. He jumps up and walks. Now you think all those other people there would start crying out for Jesus. Heal me. Come to me. Heal me. You know what I think they were saying? This, once again, this is my thought. My mind works different sometimes. Sir, do you care to get out of the way and leave and, and you're a distraction? We're waiting on the water to get trouble. That's the way I see it. And that's the way we are sometimes. Jesus, can, can you just step out of the way a little bit? I'm waiting on something else. Let me tell you something. If you're unsaved, there is nothing else. There is nothing better. There's nothing you can do. Nothing you can, can get. Nothing you can possess that will bring salvation and forgiveness into your life. It's only through and by Jesus Christ. Amen. And we'll go on a few verses here. We, we see what happened to this man. But very simply, Jesus spoke. He responded, folks. It's that simple today. It's all that, that we need to do. But you see, what I give you, the supposed reaction of the multitude, what I think it was, but there was a reaction of a group of people. And you go on and you begin to read. It said, the, the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day, and it's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. Now think about this for a minute. Once again, this is the way I see it. Don't mean it happened that way. You've got all these religious and self-righteous people that they see this man carrying his bed and it's on the Sabbath. Yeah. Now under the law, you, you didn't do any work and didn't even pick up sticks on the Sabbath. It was a day of rest. God created it for man. God didn't do it for himself, folks. So what do you see here? Now, here's the way I see that playing out. Here's these people, these religious people, the Pharisees, however you want to look at them, whatever you want to call them, that they're sitting by one day, maybe they're just out there by the road, here comes a man walking by holding his bed. Just, wasn't that the guy that was up here on the porch? Been there the last 38 years, wasting his time, he ain't been able to, and now he's down here carrying his bed? Now you think they said, we want to find out what happened. We want to find out how he's carrying his bed. He's been down for 38 years. Now he's up walking, carrying his bed. And man, they run to him. You know what they say? It's not lawful to carry your bed on Sabbath. <laughs> Didn't recognize the healing. Didn't recognize or, or even mention what had happened to him. But they wanted to start pointing fingers. Say, you're not supposed to be carrying your bed on the Sabbath. You know what he told them? Well, there was a man down there. Yeah. Mm. He simply said unto me to take up my bed and walk. And they said, well, who was the man that said, take up thy bed and walk? And they said, he that was healed didn't know who it was. He didn't know who Jesus was. Didn't realize who he was. The scripture says it there. Knew not healed. Wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. But their paths are going to cross one more time. Scripture says there as you read down. Afterwards, Jesus findeth him in the temple. Now think about that. <laughs> this man was down 38 years. He's healed. He's got strength. He's able to walk and move under his own power. And where do we see him at the next time? He's down at the temple. And what I think he's doing down at the temple, telling everybody what this man done for him, even though he didn't know who he was yet. Amen. Listen to what Jesus says to him here. Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which made him whole. 
Folks, let me tell you something. If you're unsaved today, you need to be made whole. There may be some Christians here that you need to be made whole. And the only hope that we have and the source of that is Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is be obedient, listen to and do what He says to do. He told this man, rise up, take your bed and walk. He didn't come up with every excuse why he couldn't get up. Immediately he got up, took up his bed and walked. That's what the Scripture says. He didn't come up with every reason why he shouldn't get up or couldn't get up. And for the unsaved today, so many times the, the Lord will speak to our heart and speak to our mind and, and He'll convict us of our sin. And we, we want to start cataloging every reason why we can't or why we shouldn't be saved. And those are all the reasons you need to be saved. Because well, you see, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What the Scripture said, the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus has the answer, folks. Jesus is the answer. And if you're here today and you're unsaved, He can save you. You're here today, Christian, and discouraged, He can encourage you. Here today, little weak, He can strengthen you. We just need to look to Him and do what He says to do as we stand. Sister Kitty, if you could. Heads bowed, eyes closed. How many of us before we were saved, and maybe those here today that are not saved, maybe the Lord's dealt with you, you made excuses. Made excuses. Well, I can't get down there by myself and I don't have anybody to put me in the water. And when I try to, somebody always gets in front of me. I know when the Lord was dealing with me, I had every excuse in the world why I didn't mean to get saved or shouldn't get saved. How many of us as Christians, the Lord deals with our hearts. We have every excuse. Maybe it's a calling. Maybe it's something He's put on us. Maybe it's just something He would have us to do for His glory. But we've got every excuse. Listen, all we need to do is react and act on what He says. You're here today and you're unsaved. The altar is open. There's no pool here that's going to be troubled for the first one to get in. The altar is open for all that will come. Christian, today, if you have a need, the altar is open for all that will come. We just need to look to Jesus.
saved, get saved right where you're standing. Been people saved on the parking lot. We've got calls from people, you know, after I got home from church today, got saved. It doesn't have to be here. But it's a good place to come to. Christians, sometimes we forget. It's at that altar we can go to for times of need. Why the writer of Hebrews told us, come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find help in time of need. Why is that? Because we have a great high priest. It cannot be touched with the feeling of our but at all points was tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Appreciate each and every one today. Anybody have any announcements you need to make? 